Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. How was your week so far? How are you doing? We're packing, so it's busy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so we've packed, uh, I've packed two bags. Well, I had one backpack packed a while ago, and I'm on my food bag, and that's about five kilos overweight, so I need to cut that down. Uh, most of it's books, so I'm going to have to take some books out. Unfortunately, they're old books, so we want to keep them because they're almost not family heirlooms, but they're, they're, they're really good kids' books, and they're, and they're quite valuable in many ways so yeah so that's that's the, the fun at the moment and then uh just trying to organize the logistics of moving it's nice going that side because everything's set up but uh it's still the closing off of loose ends on this side and, and technology is helping a lot you know being able to cancel things through apps as opposed to phone calls and sending in silly forms and stuff like that uh, makes a big difference yeah i remember when the airlines came out with their mobile apps and that was such a, a better experience than having your pass on your phone and managing all of that. You, you say that, but that's funny enough one of our stressful areas because when we oh, bought yeah. our tickets more than a year ago, uh, in fact, it's, I don't even know when we bought them. We bought them October 2020. Yeah, 2020. Um, <clears throat> we can't change our tickets at the moment because they're so old that they're no longer in the system. They've been aged out. And um, I rebooked them for the first. We want to fly the second now. And that's creating a huge problem because they have to go and find what the fare was back in October 2020 to recalculate what I have to pay in. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not the technology that you think it is. Uh, it's amazing. How, how, and I suppose the data volumes I deal with makes sense. But you also think, well, if you did the update last week, why haven't you kept the record in for this week? surely it's going to be used again yeah no now i'm curious so we had actually planned a flight and then canceled in march you know when everything shut down because of covid so we've had like these credits um that we just kept pushing out until eventually the day we take a flight again so now i'm wondering how that's all gonna get managed when that day finally arrives fun time we live in um yeah exactly yeah but, but yeah, this is um, this is the big episode 100. Um, we we have made it to this milestone. So awesome. we have, we have. Um, I did want to watch the movie again, um, which which we wanted to talk about, but I haven't got there, as you may have guessed. Um, but it's fine. It's etched on my brain, so we can talk. You know, I, I did. Uh, I had it on in the background last night and then I took a bunch of notes because what I really thought would be interesting for us to talk about are some of the technologies um, mm -hmm. in the universe. So yes, episode 100, we decided we're going to discuss Dune, starting kind of with the recent Dune film that we were, you know, anxiously waiting on for so long. And then I thought we could dig into some of the 
unique and creative applications of technology and kind of what technology means in the gene universe. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear. I know it took you a while to get your hands on it. So what did you, what was your impression of the new Dune film? Well, well, maybe first let's talk about that. So, so the first thing is I had to pay for it. I paid about sixteen pounds to watch it uh, on Apple on Apple TV. Only to have it a week later, and that was a rental. Only for it a week later to become an own. I could buy it for sixteen pounds. So I was a little bit irritated by that. But I thought the movie was really good. Uh, I thought that they covered the story really well. Um, I think we mentioned this before when I read the book. I found the book very difficult to read. Um, because of the language that the author used, uh, it's a little bit, um, I don't want to say old English, but it's just a funny version of English. But I think the movie kept the story so well. Um, and even though I read the book probably a year and a half ago, watching the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that part. Can I understand this, etc." So I was able to join the dots pretty, pretty well. Uh, and I think they cast the characters really well. So they all fitted what I had in my mind for who the who the characters were, um, generally speaking, I think it was one or two that were maybe 50-50, but for the most part, it was a really good movie and really well done. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think the decision to split it into two movies was the right call, but for the most part, I think you're right. It's pretty spot on, especially with, you know, all the major plot elements uh, are pretty much captured there, so... Um, yeah, I think they did a great job, and I'm excited to watch the sequel. One of <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really liked. Um, I think Duncan was played by. Uh, I think he was the perfect actor. I'm trying to think what his name was now. Um, Jason Momoa. That's it. Yeah, uh, and 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 I'm actually, you know, when you read the book and he dies, you feel sad, but when you see it's Jason Momoa, and I've always been a fan of his, even back to his Stargate days. Um, we won't talk about his career before that. You know, I, I was sad when he died as well. Uh, and even even when you get to, I hope everyone's watched the movie. To the I know, it's, <laughs> it's probably going to be a little spoilery today, but yeah, well, you've had enough time to watch it. Um, if you if you get to the end fighting where Paul fights the um, ah, what do they call them? I can't remember the name of the, what the tribe is. The uh, even that. The Fremen, yeah, even even that was perfectly tied back to the book, uh, and you had the same emotions of him, you know, coming through and, and beating beating himself because that's really what he. I mean, yes, obviously fight the warrior and kill the warrior, but he had to beat himself too, um, and, and that was you know that was also very well acted. Yeah, no, I thought Timothy Chalamet was a good version of Paul. I still don't really buy. Um, those actors I, I love the actors who played uh his parents but i have a hard time buying them as, i don't know for some reason his parents um they're like not old enough i don't know there's not enough distance between the real actors and that like breaks my immersion it's almost a space travel donations mm, yeah that's that's how i justify uh, in my head <laughs> um so yeah, you want to talk about some of the tech and I can give some of the unique background um, to why this is so special in the Dean universe. Yeah, so I think um, the, um, the shields were, were interesting, the personal shields, because 
you know, when you, when you watch the movie, you read the book, so they talk about fighting with sword. It's not very clear in the book to why they're fighting with swords for a while. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at them fighting in sort of the first third of the movie, and you see that the shield can can, can deflect against a, a fired weapon um, versus a slow-moving weapon, and that's where the swords come in. And... And they're able, and they they show how they get through the the shield. Um, I thought that was quite an interesting depiction of what what technology could be available. So two things there. I think um, there's this backdrop to the whole Dune universe that many centuries in the past, humans had their big war with machines, with AI. So AI computers, like digital stuff doesn't really exist in the Dune universe because that's all been banned after that, um, Mm. you know, revolution uprising that happened, you know, in the distant past. So that's kind of an interesting backdrop to the um, technology in the setting uh, of the Dune book. And then um, the, the shield you're describing, something that I pulled out more in my research. So there's like this gravitational um, effect. It's kind of not, explained in detail but it's what's behind those four shields that the fighters wear um that don't allow fast movement in where you have to do like a slow deliberate um Mm. movement to to pierce the shield it's behind um the holtzman drive which is the technology that lets uh space travel happen and then the suspenders which are the uh, what the Baron Harkonnen wears, the technology that allows him to be suspended, um, but it can also just suspend other heavy things. And then mm-hmm. uh, glow globes, which are one of my, I guess, I don't know, if there's like a technology from the Dean Universe that I'd love to have in my home, it's the glow globe. It's, it's basically just their version of a light that um, it floats around and can follow you and stuff, which, you know, is just kind of neat. So, but yeah, I didn't know there was, this whole principle, I suppose, uh, behind that whole group of uh, dune technologies. Yeah, you mustn't forget the thumper. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. The uh, the thumper that creates the rhythmic uh, pounding so that the sandworm is attracted to it. Yeah, I found I found that was also quite good with the music because the music almost also worked with the, with the landscapes and and the worms as well. Um, I mean, throughout the movie, I kept wanting to go back and get Dune to the game and install it to play it again. Because it, it does bring, you know, one of the nice things about the book is it's so well conceived with the different houses and and the, um, I want to say the politics of it, but there's there's this this thing that you want to get involved um, and do your, play your own strategy to see how you do. Because it is very strategic. Was that your original exposure to Dune? Was through the video game? Yeah, I can't remember timeline-wise if it was before or after Command and Conquer. I think it was before Command and Conquer. And, and I remember getting Dune 2 and playing that. And, and it was quite a big thing to... And it was, I mean, those are your 2D real-time strategy games. Um, and picking, you could pick uh, Harkonnens or... Um, what's the blue team? A terrorist? No? Atreides? I trained, that's it. Uh, and then you have the green team, uh, or greenhouse. Um, 
and then you have the Freemans, and then you could have the Freemans that would, would be like a, a power up. You get a certain amount of them that can help you, and they and they're the only ones that get across the desert without being bothered the um, worms. And then of course you you mining for spice the whole time. And um, I thought also how they brought the effects of spice in to be quite a good good thing as well, because that was never really clear to me in the book. Is it, is it like cocaine or is it something else? Um, and and it just ties back to, again to to what we know as as economics, you know, supply and demand. So, yeah, I think uh, they, they did a good job with it. Yeah, watching it, um, this was my third watch through last night, and the music really stood out to me. Mm. Um, it's just so moody, and it, it fits so well, I think, with Paul's arc. Um, and then you're right, the depictions of the spice. Like, one scene that really, uh, I don't know, caught my attention. You know, it's it's fun watching things like when there's so much care and detail and love put into a film and you can keep watching it and pick out just the moments and think about all the work behind creating that moment. So one of them was in the, the still tent. So when Jessica and Paul are running after the Harkonnens have attacked, you know, the palace they were living in and they're on the run, they're in, um, they're hiding in the sand in a still tent, which is this Fremen technology that, is a tent that gets buried in the sand and then the tent catches your sweat and, you know, make sure that moisture isn't coming out and reclaims the water. Um, but there's moments in there where like the camera zooms in on the, like it shows the moisture moving through tubes in the tent and mm-hmm. Paul has a glow globe out and the spice is like twinkling around the glow globe. So I don't know. I thought that was like a nice, it, it shows the, it showed some of that technology from the Dune universe, but it was also just a really subtle way. Like, you know, if you're a Dune fan, you know, that's kind of all that's happening um, mm. in the background as well. Yeah. It's actually another piece of technology we didn't talk about, which is the, is the, the, the moisture capturing suits that they wear and how that's important to, and, and water is the lifeblood, the really, the really valuable thing. So the Freemans don't see the spice as valuable but they they see the water as the most valuable thing, and even when Paul kills the challenger, you know they drain all his blood for the liquid because that's the important you know cultural thing. Yeah, no, the still suit. I think if I could own a piece of technology from the Dune universe, this would be up there for me. You know, this the suit that's been developed that is basically like putting a tight fitting suit over yourself. So that you only lose a symbol full of water a day is what they say. But yeah, I mean, it's a crucial bit of technology to allow them to live in this hot, you know, unrelenting desert with no moisture. And obviously a crucial part of the the Dune films. One thing that I like about, you know, the technologies in this universe, I feel like they're so, uh, there's, it's a combination of sci-fi and this, it's, it's a different version of sci-fi because you have this backdrop of it's not digital, it's not computers, it's not AI, which is where a lot of high sci-fi or you know more scientific versions tend to go. Um, but because that doesn't exist here, you have more creative depictions of things like skill suits. Yeah, no, exactly. It's also interesting how it's... A lot of the, I mean, a lot of futuristic shows always show 
you know, huge, huge technology advances. And you don't see much of that in this, as you say. But also what you do see is a general level of basics that they all have. They all have the same level. Depending on, it doesn't matter which house they're on. They've all got starships. They've all got, you know, they all work inside an empire. Um, the weapons are all the same, you know, generally speaking. So there is some level of, of shared knowledge. Um, now, what the game had is that there were obviously parts with which each house had their own specialities. And I can't remember what those were. Um, but I think the Harkonnens were known as the, as the best soldiers with the best military equipment, whereas the um, Atreides were, were known more as, as political and managerial types, but they, they were more there as diplomatic corps. And then the Green House, which I can't remember what, what, what their power was, they had their own thing, which I think was harvesting. I think they were the economic force. Uh, and it, and it's interesting how that plays out technology-wise as well, because they don't have some of the detection stuff, because you know their speciality isn't war; their speciality is is something else. I think some of that comes back to as well the sort of supernatural powers that exist in this universe. Some of which are kind of developed or. Um, brainwashed or like bred into humanity by this point. So one of them that I thought would be fun to talk about and maybe didn't come out as much in the film um, and is a bigger part of the book are Mentes. So the human mm. computers, um, those who have been, whose minds have been shaped to be, um, yeah, exactly that. Human supercomputers, they can calculate things very quickly. They can figure out probabilities. So each great house has their own, like, family mentat. And you see this depicted in the film. You know, he rolls his eyes back in his head to uh, quickly calculate something. But I just think that's such an interesting idea that because we don't have, or, um, you know, humanity at this point doesn't have actual computers, that they have turned the human brain into a a supercomputer of its own just by conditioning. Yeah, it's actually, I remember that now because it wasn't Paul being educated through by one of them that during the, the best the sort of um, trip through to the, sorry, I think of different movies, I might be getting confused, uh, but he was being trained by one of them. And then when he got there, he was sort of connecting the dots as he was walking around going, oh yeah, this is what they told me about this thing. Um, yeah. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, so Paul... Paul's like, you know, you think about all the different like superpowers that exist in the movie and Paul kind of has all of them. So that's another thing that I think it's really hard to depict in a film and you kind of have to pick and choose what traits, what special traits of Paul's you're going to show. But he was trained as a mentat as well. So not only is he this like, you know, he has his mother's like mystical witch-like powers. Um, but also the, you know, military, uh, the training, um, from Duncan Idaho, from his father, and then the, um, supercomputer ability of, of the Mentats as well. So he's just like, yeah, the combination of all of the human technologies that, um, exist in the universe, most of them anyway. Do you know when the second movie is coming out? Um, I don't. I, I, it might be next year or the year after. 
not seen enough. It can't be seen enough, but um, yeah, I think we still are waiting a, a little bit. Or, you know, I don't actually, now I'm curious, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's soon. I know, I guess the other thing I know is that they're already planning um, for Dune Messiah as well, which is the Dune sequel, uh, which I'm, I've read about like a third of, I'm still working my way through it, but that one, um, the directors talked about waiting until uh, Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet is older because Paul is um, older when Dune Messiah happens. So I think really cool if they got through another book in the series. Yeah, that's interesting because there's what, seven books, I think. And there's a whole bunch of, there's Children of Dune as well, um, which is also a couple of books. I need to actually start reading them again now that the movie's out so I, can, so I know what the next one's going to be about. I guess there were a few more technologies I wanted to maybe call out as interesting or unique to this universe kind of runners up here. So one are the ornithopters. So they're like helicopter oh, yeah. vehicles yeah. that have different kind of wings. Sorry, it's an interesting contraption that, um, especially when he crashes and he's able to fly on one wing, which makes no sense physically. <laughs> yeah, I do like, um, because of the book, I think, talks about them as um, having these wings, these like fluttering wings. And I've always thought about it as more bird-like, but I liked that they were kind of dragonfly-like in the film. I thought that was a cool depiction. Oh, I always thought they were dragonfly-like. I think even in the book, they're dragonfly. Oh, but you see, that could be the computer game because in the computer game, they, they look like mm. dragonflies. Yeah, and I think, um, so what's another one here? The uh, one that you see in the movie but is a little bit more explained, I think, in the book, our film book. So Paul has this film book about Dune that he uses to study and learn about the world before he goes there. And it has this, so one, it has like the projections of, and the the audio of like, you know, teaching him about Dune and you learn about Arrakis through, you know, watching Paul absorb the uh, the film book, but it also has a, it's called a mnemonic pulse. So instead of like a mnemonic device, like having an acronym that would help you when you're studying, remember something, it's this like pulse that serves that need to um, recall information. So I just think um, film books would be another cool thing to be brought to our universe. I'd love to be a, a film book collector. I didn't, I'm, I'm a, oh, I remember the film book, but I, I don't remember the, the, the pulse piece. Um, and that does tie into some brain therapy research where alpha, beta, and theta waves are used. And I don't remember which one does what, but one of them is to help you train your brain to remember things. Interesting. A friend of mine was studying for an exam, and she went to a lady, I went to her as well, and you used to put uh, electrodes on your head and then used to play games, and you used your thought patterns to move the ball around on the screen. And um, it was supposed to help you. Uh, all I remember is I used to come back totally exhausted after doing it. Yeah, I think that's it's interesting to think about um, whether the technologies kind of proposed could work in today's world, if they actually have any sort of scientific substance to them or if they're just kind of creative. Um, that is kind of interesting to think about. Um, well, what's something that always fascinates me about, about science fiction, that's probably why I read so much of it, is people that are, are writing these books are, are thinking ahead to what is possible. And 
um, if you think about some of the stuff like like Conan Doyle or um, Asimov, any of those guys that were writing books in the 40s and the 50s, where the technology was what it was, and they were conceiving things that we actually use today in some respects. Um, you know, you look at the original Star Trek episodes and, you know, things that they talk about there we have already, you know, things that we don't have as well, of course. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that, you know, it's one of the things that I, what, what I find fascinating because you, you've got to conceive the whole world and the usage of this thing. You know, like I can't wait for holographic screens. Uh, I can't wait for a neural link because um, I just think that will, will accelerate things drastically. Uh, I do need to run. Um, so maybe we need to tie up. Yeah, no, uh, completely agree uh, with your thoughts there. So, yeah, um, we can tie up here. Happy episode 100. Uh, this well was done. fun talking about you. Yep, you as well. All Thanks, right. Have, Have a good rest of your day. Okay. You too. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues. 